0: What is up, guys? Reborn Podcast. This is Ashley Horner, and my guest today is Mr. Bobby Maximus McDonald himself. He's a fitness expert, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu world champion. He just went and competed at Worlds. I believe this was like for his third time. I, I could be completely wrong. It's at least like his third. Maybe it's his fifth. Regardless, even to win one world champion is a, is outstanding, and he's done it multiple times in a year. So on top of that, he is a UFC fighter uh, and a men's health writer. He's also the founder of Maximus Gym. He's the director of Project Maximus, the keeper of authenticity at Lalo Tactical. He's a sought after speaker and he is the host of the Maximus podcast. He is the author of the book Maximus Body, the physical and mental training plan that shreds your body, builds serious strength and makes you unstoppably fit. If you follow him on social media, his Instagram is Bobby Maximus. This guy, no days off. I mean, you talk about, you know, like when you think like, oh, like I want, I want to get a six pack. Like this guy has like not even nuggets. It's like, it's like chicken breasts for his abs. And he has like, a nine pack. Like it's just, he's in incredible shape. Uh, even watching how he eats, it's a a little bit different than I guess what some people would consider, uh, just normal healthy eating habits, but he always has a method to his madness, which is why I absolutely love, uh, Bobby Maximus. So you can learn more about his work and see what all he's doing at Maximusbody.com. And then you can follow him on, I already mentioned his Instagram. It's Bobby Maximus on IG. So let's bring him on to the reborn podcast. Mr. Maximus, welcome to the Reborn Podcast. Um, I have my co-host here with me, Mr. Andrew Stallings, and I have heard that you are uh, quite the eater. What time is it over in Utah right now?
1: It is twelve o'clock Mountain Standard Time.
0: I need to know everything that you've eaten so far because I've heard you've had quite that you have quite the appetite.
1: I do, but I actually do a mock form of intermittent fasting. Oh, uh, I, had a I gut do disorder. too. Nice. I had a gut disorder a couple of years ago that almost killed me. And part of me staying healthy is doing a mock form of intermittent fasting. So in the morning, I have a protein shake. So it's coffee, a little bit of raw milk, some first form protein, some collagen, and uh, usually a little bit of salt or cinnamon for taste. Mm. And then I'll repeat that at noon. And then right after we're done, I'll go for my first meal, which will be two 10 ounce revised today.
0: Wow. So you do eat a lot of steak. I saw on your, uh, it was either your story or I don't know if you like posted, where do you get your steaks from? Cause you eat, you eat like the bougie of steaks. Like I just get mine from the grocery store and I've just, I'm like, I I'm really picky about my steaks usually, or like my red meat or like just any meat in general, but you are like the bougie of like the steaks. Where do you get your steaks at? Cause they look so good.
1: I'm fancy. So there's three places I'll get it from now. One, A5 Wagyu imported from Japan, so black uh, Japanese black cattle. Two, I'll eat American Wagyu, so like Snake River Wagyu. Right now, mm-hmm. what I'm on is a 60-day butter aged because it's just incredible. And then the third place was a company I ship it in called New York Prime Beef. Oh. That does like super high-end prime steak. So yeah, I'm I'm bougie as fuck right now with my steak.
0: How do you how do you cook your steak? You like it uh, medium rare, medium char broiled?
1: Rare to medium rare, and then I've got to do it on the Traeger. So I will okay. it low and slow on the Traeger, and then reverse sear.
0: I I have a Traeger too. I I love my Traeger. I even uh, well, I tried baking an apple pie on my Traeger one time, and then it it caught on fire. That was in the beginning stages of whenever I was lear- learning how to use my Traeger, but I'm basically a pro now because the Traegers it's very simple to cook on. I'm just a, like a novice at cooking. So uh, I like to consider myself a novice, but uh, so what else do you eat besides steaks?
1: So my diet is actually, it's pretty much the same every day. So I have my supplementation. So I I do protein powder. I do a reds and greens all from first Mm -hmm. form. Yep. Uh, Fish oil, collagen, Uh, that covers like the basis, uh, the multi, uh, the multivitamins. So the microfactor pack that covers like all my nuts and bolts. Mm -hmm. Most of the rest of my diet is red meat, chicken, raw fish, arugula, bone Mm -hmm. broth, and red berries. And that covers about 90 to 95% of everything I eat. And then five to 10% of the time, if I want a little pizza, a little bread, uh, a little fried chicken, I can go for that provided it's super high quality.
0: Huh. So is this like, is this how you eat all the time? Like pretty, pretty stable. I'm I'm
1: pretty, I'm pretty regimented with it.
0: Okay. How long have you been doing this?
1: Uh, about three years since I gut disorder.
0: Wow. And you've noticed like a huge difference.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh Um, you know, actually I shouldn't say I noticed a big difference because before this gut disorder, I could eat whatever I want, whenever I wanted, however I wanted and didn't feel anything. I didn't feel different. I didn't need a performance diet. I always used to joke. I could eat out of a dumpster and perform (laughs) after this gut disorder, I had to start making some changes to keep performing at my best. And so since then, this has kept me, you know,
2: performing at an optimal level. So, so, sorry, go ahead, no, Peter. I was just going to ask. So, Bobby, can you dive in a little bit further to what happened with this gut disorder? Like, do you mind sharing that story at all?
1: No, not at all. So I, I, there's this disorder called uh, Clostridium difficile. It's like a bad bacteria that gets in your stomach. Um, and everyone probably has a little bit of it, but when all your good bacteria gets killed off, this can proliferate, multiply, and take over. In normal cases, it can be cured with a round of antibiotics. But I was fortunate enough to get the antibiotic resistant strain of it. And so 200,000 people a year get this, 40,000 die. So it's a pretty serious thing. I lost 47 pounds in 30 days. Uh, I was bleeding out both ends. There was nights I was literally sleeping in the bathtub because it was too hard to clean up the bed in the morning. So I just slept in the bathtub naked for a bunch of nights. In and out of the hospital, they wanted to take my intestines out. Uh, they said I'd never be normal again, and this went on for like five, six months. Like I was so, what,
0: what is it? What is it that I initiated this? Because you didn't have it your whole life. Like, what is it that? Like, is it just so something that?
1: I, I got introduced to this bacteria at some point. You can't mm. really tell where it could be from food. It could be from whatever, but like everyone mm. kind of has it. And I think it was antibiotics and stress. So I was sick with another thing that I needed antibiotics for. And antibiotics kill all the bacteria in your body, not only the bad stuff. And then that combined with a ton of work stress, which also really affects your microbiome in a really negative way, it made this ideal condition for this stuff to grow and proliferate. And then, so then I was like a mess. And after five to six months of that, I had to go for what's called a fecal matter transplant. Uh, They basically put somebody else's microbiome via feces into your body. Like it's like a, it's like a, almost like a super probiotic, if you will, that will take over your whole system. And that cured me. And ever since then, I've just been super careful to protect that microbiome at all costs.
0: So how has, um, since you've changed your diet and you've been doing this, this was like three years ago. Is that, yep. is that what said? How has it, because you're just a beast. I see you're training and I mean, you're you you have like, you're so jacked all the time. And uh, like, how has this, has it changed like the way that you train at all? Has it had, like, well, do you feel better? No, you, you feel the same.
1: Not at all. I still train. I feel the same. The, the difference I'd say though, as I've gotten older, I'm 42 years old right now, I have to be hyper vigilant with recovery.
0: Mm.
1: So I am the most uh, scheduled person you'll ever meet. I have two saunas a day. I'm in Normatec boots every day. I use Hyperice products every day. I'm sleeping eight to nine hours a night in a completely blacked out environment. I'm having cold showers. I'm in a cold tub. Like that's just what it takes to do the training and the volume at 42 years old.
0: So how has like, how has the, the, um the maximus approach to fitness. Can you kind of talk about that? Like what is, you know, when you say that you're like really regimented and and just structured, like what is your approach to fitness and how do you how do you view that and what is your what is your day-to-day schedule like? Aside we we've kind of covered like the food and the nutrition, um but are training, like I said, like you're you're a beast in the gym. I see you training. You have like a crazy 12-pack abs and you're buff. Um, what, how is your, uh, what is your approach to fitness and how, like, what does your daily routine look like?
1: So my biggest thing is that training is the number one form of self-care that a human can do. And I put it in the same category as brushing your teeth. Mm. Like if your dad dies tomorrow, you brush your teeth. If your husband dies, you brush your teeth. If you're, if one of your kids dies, you brush your teeth. Like you just do it because there's a very negative consequence to having Mm -hmm. poor hygiene, right? But we don't do that when it comes to working out. People will not move for weeks at a time. I mean, the negative repercussions for that are tremendous. And so I believe that the body's meant to move as much as possible. 10,000 years ago, 15,000 years ago, we were literally moving all day, every day. So I believe in as much activity as possible as part of my life. And so even when it comes to sitting, this is literally the only time I'll sit down all day. Mm. Because it mm. just... Sitting kills you, right? And Mm -hmm. so I believe in getting stuff done. My slogan is every damn day. So my big thing, it's funny that um, people are on the 75 Hard program, which I love, like the workouts two times a day, one inside, one outside. I've been doing Mm -hmm. that 27 years.
0: Wow.
1: Just part of my life. What Mm -hmm. I don't want to do is make it something you do for six weeks, make it something that you do for a month. It's got to be a lifestyle thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm Mm -hmm. such a fan of the 75 Hard program because it starts to teach you that this is just how you're supposed to live. Mm-hmm. Like you've got people out here doing that two, three, four times a year. That's what exercise is supposed to be.
0: Mm-hmm. So what does your training look like? Like, how do you, how do you, like, are you doing like a, like a five by five or like what kind of, what kind of training program are you following?
1: So uh, you program, program yourself. Yes. I program myself. Uh, right now I'm training two to three times a day. Uh, wow. In the morning is generally strength or power work. Uh-huh. Uh, that would be from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And uh, about three days of the week that is weighted. So one day is like a heavy deadlift. I use heavy as a relative term. I rarely lift above 90% when rep are at max anymore. One day is a bench press or an overhead press. Mm. And the other day is weighted jumps. Almost everything apart from that is body weight work. So real athletic work, sprints, jumps, uh, gymnastic type work, because I think the body works better when it uses itself. Like the, I believe in like the concept of the human animal. Yeah. And from, from 10 to 1130, I do combatives. So either jujitsu or boxing or something like that. Mm. And then at night, I do my actual gym conditioning work. And that could be circuit training with body weight. Uh, lately, I've been on uh, lunging a mile every day. So I, I'll you know, just lunge, lunge a mile around the neighborhood. Uh, a lot of air squats, I'll throw around
2: sandbags, railway ties. That's, that's crazy. So look, speaking as the most unfit individual on this interview right now, um, <laughs> one thing that we're focusing a lot on this season, Bobby, is, is obviously understanding Ashley as her fitness personality and her persona and what to defined her in that community. But much how people look at Bobby Maximus, there is Bobby McDonald, the individual from Canada. Where, give us just a little bit about your story and your early roots, you know, coming up that, that led you to, I think, what most people probably know you as early on in your career, which led you to UFC and, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that element of your career as well. Like, give us just kind of the Cliff Notes version, where you came from and um, who who is Bobby Maximus before Bobby Maximus? Yeah, no,
1: sure. Thank you for asking that. Uh, so I'm from way up north like as far north as a human can come from. (laughs) I'm actually north of the, I'm north of the wall. So uh, I'm not actually an American. I'm a, do you know, do you guys know what wildlings are?
0: Yes, you're a wildling, (laughs) wildling. holy shit.
1: That's how far north I'm from, (laughs) north of the wall. So uh, I was from a small town, 1800 people. I was bullied fairly heavily till I was 15 years old. And when I say bullied, I wasn't just called names. People punched me in the face. They wedged me on the bus every day. Why? They drew on my face with marker. I think because I was shy and because I was mm. awkward and that becomes a target for people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you're uh, a little bit different, everyone where I'm from played hockey and winter sports. I didn't. And so I got picked on. And if you get labeled as a geek, a nerd, a loser early on in life in a small town, it's almost impossible to escape that label. Mm. And so- When I was 15 years old, these four hockey kids beat me up and broke my collarbone. And I remember at that point, something flipped inside my head that I never wanted that to happen again. So I tried out for the basketball team, didn't make it, tried out for the football team, didn't make it. And then I tried out for the wrestling team. And because they didn't have cuts, they took me. Mm. And my first match, I lost every match. I was 0-40.
0: So like, let me, let me, let me just stop you for a second. Cause you're, you're a massive human being. Like how tall are you? Six? Six, three. Okay. So, I mean, you had to have been, I and mean, you're, you know, you're like a large size and muscle. Like, were you just like a, like a really quiet, like quiet, uh,
1: quiet, shy. Like if you really know, Andrew, it's funny. You're talking about the real, you know, Bob McDonald. I loved magic, the gathering. I love Lord of the Rings. I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. Like I am the world's biggest nerd. And when you're nerdy (laughs) and shy and awkward, I mean, when I was in grade nine, I was probably five, 10, 160 pounds, which is, is bigger than some kids, but you're still skinny and awkward. You just become a target, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I was, I was picked on and my first year of wrestling, I lost 40 matches in a row. My second year, I won one out of 40 matches And I decided at that point I needed more help. And so I kind of struggled my way into the weight room. The first day I was pinned under a 45 pound bar. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to train. Some of the older kids that didn't care to bully me helped me. And then over the next couple of years, I got really strong, really good at sports. As that started to happen, confidence grew. Mm -hmm. You know, I think this thing happens in the gym where if you build confidence in the gym, you get confidence outside the gym. Oh, yeah. And And then from there... I was kind of what you call the fast track to success. I, I I was wrestling at a super high level. I was second in the world for kickboxing at one point for amateur. Uh, I, you know, I fought in the UFC. I had all this success, but along the way, I still really struggled with that internal self-image. Mm-hmm. So a lot of negative self-talk from how I was raised. So I remember being at the Mandalay Bay for UFC 53 and I should have won that fight. And I was backstage thinking, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough to be here. When I lose, not if I lose, when I lose, people are going to laugh at me. Mm. I'm going to get my contract cut. How do you think I did in that fight? You lost probably. Terrible. I lost. Yeah. Terrible. So from there, I had to go through a bunch of sports psychology to try and reconcile my inner self-image with who mm. I was on the outside. Because mm-hmm. you would see me as a, at that point as a big, strong, confident, muscular person but inside, I was that scared little kid playing Dungeons and Dragons or playing with Legos or playing with you know, Magic Gathering, and it, I had to learn how to reconcile those things. And, and that kind of formed the basis of what I do and what I believe today, mm-hmm. where the, the gym is a lot more than just the physical, it's the psychological as well.
0: So whenever you were uh, fighting in the UFC, you were also a police officer as well. Yes. Uh, like talk about that. How was it getting on to like, like, did you make it the first time you tried out to be a police officer and how was that being an officer and also like fighting in the UFC because you, um, you went on and then you did the, the anti-violence intervention strategy and the defense tactics instructor. Um, how was that?
1: So it was good. A lot of people don't know this. Um, my dad died when I was 20 Mm. and it put me into a tailspin of, of anger and bad behavior. And because I was angry, and and people at the time would have asked me, "What am I angry at?" And and the truth is, I didn't know because there was no one to blame for my dad's death. I mean, to put it in a in a term that like most people can relate to, I was angry with God. Like there was just and and, and I was like fiery and hot inside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So how did how did he die? Uh, he died of a heart attack. Oh okay. So, because and I didn't have a chance to say goodbye. And because I was bullied a lot growing up, my dad was my best friend. Yeah. And so when I went for my first police interview, I actually failed my background check Mm. because of some stuff that I had been involved with. (laughs) And uh, I tried again and I almost failed another background check because of some more stuff, but they hired me. How how old?
0: How old were you when you applied? When you were going through like the police officer candidate? And I was uh,
1: 24 years old.
0: Okay, so it was four years after your father died.
1: Yeah, 24 years old. But these these people, man, the cops, when they do a background check, they find out all kinds of stuff about you. You know what I mean? So like, I'm just getting stuff brought up in my interview. And what I learned about that experience was they actually don't care as much about what you did they care more about that you tell the truth about it Mm. and how you answer for it. And so I learned that. And then eventually I was hired. And, uh, then once you're hired, like as long as you can do the job and do really well, Mm -hmm. what you did in your life doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. that much. And so that was the way I went.
0: how, How do you think that, uh, how do you think that shaped you as a person? Like, you know, you are, you're on this journey of, um, you know like insecure and shy and then you had the tragedy of your your father passing away um how how like at what point and like was there any particular moment or was it just over a course of a time that you noticed that your confidence grew
1: no to tell you the truth i still struggle with it mm. like we were at the first form weekend together for mm-hmm. summer smash yeah and i still get feelings that I'm nervous to go up and say hi to you. I'm nervous to go say hi to one of the other athletes. I'm nervous to go say hi to Sal or Andy. Like I still struggle with that because during your formative years, think about if you're raised in an abusive household, if you were raised in a family of alcoholics, if you were raised, and that was like the formative years of your upbringing, you almost can never get rid of that. So Mm. even today I've got remnants of that inside. I constantly have to do psychological exercises
2: to keep that in check. Like, it's a problem I'll deal with forever. So let me let me ask you and jump in here real quick, Bobby. Obviously, the one thing, there's multiple things that you and Ashley have in common, which is great. But I think one of the unspoken things that's interesting is that you're both parents, right? You're both incredible father and you're an incredible mother. You display that very publicly on your social media channels. We recently were having a discussion on the Reborn podcast about just the loss of a parent and how that, you know, really kind of, awakens you in sub, in subliminal ways over the years, and you don't even realize it, right? Because you, you kind of just, it's something that you almost lock away at times, or it doesn't come up until it just hits you in the face at the most abrupt times. Talk to me a little bit just about how losing a parent in your life helps you look at how you want to be a father to your boys today. Yeah, so I kind of act under the impression that I'm going to die when I'm
1: 50 like my dad did, you know, because that can really happen to people. And it was a genetic disorder. So I don't know that I'm going to live a long life. And so the one of the ways that's impacted me is I'm trying to prepare my kids the way my parents didn't prepare me. So I'm teaching them things like how to say no, how to engage in self-care, how to be industrious, what happens when the world comes and kicks your door down and you've got to deal with stuff by your Self, Because I remember being 21, not having a dad to call to to ask advice to. Like I was on my own and I had to do it on my own. And so I'm trying to prepare my kids at a young age to be independent, secure, uh, have a lot of self-care, to deal with negative self-talk and and self-limiting behavior, especially. And I think that's such an important lesson for kids because parents don't teach you that. You learn math, you learn chemistry. You learn how to change a light bulb or mow the lawn. But when did, you know, ask you, Ashley, and you, Andrew, when did your parents teach you how to say no? When did your parents teach you how to prioritize self-care? They probably did not. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important lesson for kids because when I was, after my dad died, I didn't know how to care for myself. Mm -hmm. So I spent, I I, kind of joke about this, but not really. I spent 20 years of my life fucking and fighting. That was it. Like I was wired one way. And so like when I talk about, you know, failing background checks, when I went out at night, I was either taking something home or I was in a fight and like a real fight trying to hurt somebody. So it was like, that's not a good way to deal with your stuff. But I didn't have the coping skills to do it because I was never taught that. And the reality is my situation's not unique. I'm not special. The world's a terrible place. Like, look how many people were exposed during COVID, Hmm. the stress they were under and how they fell apart because they were never taught the skills to cope. And it's only later in life I learned how to do that. So I really try to teach my kids that.
0: How old are your kids?
1: Uh, I've got one that's 12 and then I've got a four-year-old and then I've got, well, we we call him a baby, but he's like a full-grown man right now. He's 18 months old.
0: Aw, all boys.
1: All
0: boys. Wow. Yeah, I have a, yeah, I have my three boys. I, I think that's so important. Um, I mean, I, uh, I always, you know, like running businesses and even through like COVID and everything, like, I feel like all of my ups and downs, my, my boys have been through a lot with me and, um, They, uh, I, I try to not buttercoat anything. I mean, they see when their moms had a really bad day, like with work or like when things are falling apart. Um, but I try to explain it in a manner that, you know, these things are inevitable, right? They're, they're going to happen. And, um, you can either sit there and like sulk and uh, have like a pity party for yourself and, you know, kind of do, do like the whole like, why, like, why me or like, why is this happening? Or you can quit. Or you can just know that everything happens for a reason and the, the lessons and, and the experiences that we're having are there to, to teach us something um, that we can use for in the future. And so I've always, um, as a parent, it's been really important for me. I mean, the, you know, my boys have, they have definitely they've seen me cry because of, you know, either work-related stress or like, what have you, they've seen me do some like crazy physical feats and just suffer and get through that. And I think that's something so important as like a parent that we have to teach our kids that, um, you know, the world isn't there, the world isn't butterflies and rainbows and, um, you know, one way or another, like the, the kids are kids, anybody's cause like, they're, they're going to get hurt. And, um, you know, it's it's always there, and I think that if we can lead by example, which has always been really important for me, is to, to lead by example for our children um, and the younger generations going up, that we will create um, a generation of kids coming forward that will be able to face problems like more head-on and not be scared or not break down or not run the opposite direction whenever we're faced with adversity. And I think that's really important.
1: Yeah, I believe in that 100%. You know what I mean? And, and that's one of the things I've always respected about you. And you can see it through your social media. You're really invested as a parent. Yeah. And I, I feel like you have a similar relationship to your kids where not only are you a parent to them, you're also a mentor and a friend. Yeah. And I think that's really, really crucial for the next generation because a lot of us didn't get that growing up.
0: Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Christmas came early, fellas. I just received the new performance package by Manscaped. And if you need a gift idea for the holidays this year, be sure to put Manscaped at the top of your wish list. This kit includes the Lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer that's built with advanced skin safe technology. And there's a stocking stuffer just for you, the crop. Preserver Ball Deodorant by Manscaped is exactly what it sounds like. Anti-chafing, clear-drying moisturizer to keep your sack of presents nice and cool throughout the day. And if you need a little midday refresh, be sure to get the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. All of Manscaped's products are aluminum-free. They're cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and vegan. And New to the collection is the Weed Whacker Nose Plus Ear Hair Trimmer. Because trust me, guys, no girl wants to look up and see all of those gross nose hairs when you're under that mistletoe. The Weed Whacker has 360 degrees rotary blades and the same skin-safe technology from the trimmer. So it helps prevent tugging and tears. So if you've been extra good this year... Make sure you ask Santa for the performance package by Manscaped. In the spirit of the holidays, if you buy today, you'll also get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. That's right. Not one, but two free gifts. Simply go to manscaped.com forward slash Ashley and get 20% off plus free international shipping and two free gifts. That's manscaped.com forward slash A-S-H-L-E-Y for 20% off and free international shipping. His jingle balls will thank you.
2: So one question I have for both of you real quick, just as we kind of put a bow on this, because I'm curious on both of your perspectives. Obviously the last year, two years, it feels like a decade at this point, we've been dealing with the pandemic, you know, across the world. All of us have gone through highs and lows, you know, with this pandemic, I believe. From both of your perspectives as individual human beings, as parents, as business owners, I'm curious, what have been some of the wins and what have been some of the the things that you have struggled with the most um, that you're willing to share publicly? Because, again, both of you, you know, a lot of people see what's beyond the, the big social media following, right? But I, what I always like about raw, real elements like this is that you have the opportunity to really share, you know, the emotional and empathetic side of a human being. And I'm curious, highs and lows just in this last 18 months, two years, you know, what has this moment in time taught you? Whether it's being at home, uh, whether it's, you know, something about business, what, what is it? I'm just curious. And this is a question for both of you. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll say for me personally, um, like for the first time in my life, like, like a positive thing with, uh, that I dealt with, with COVID is it forced me to slow down. I mean, I, uh, like I have a lot of guilt, Bobby, like growing up like this period of time when like, like I, I was so afraid that, um, like, I wanted to be successful. Like, I, my hustle and everything that I did was for my kids, bottom line. It was the, the work, the weekends away. I mean, I was just full force in my career. I was gone probably, like, two or three times out of the month, traveling, doing working obligations. I never even really, like... I would sit down to watch shows or, like, TV shows, like, with my kids, but I was never actually really present. Like, I would sit down and watch shows, but I would, like, have my laptop and I would be working. And I felt like, for me... Um, it, it caused me to slow down. Like I didn't have a choice but to slow down and, and to push pause on everything that was work related, and to really just be present with my family and with my kids. I was home for the longest stint that I had ever been in within my entire career. Um, for me, I have a restaurant called American Brew. It's in Virginia Beach, Virginia. If you ever come out here, Bobby, you have to come visit. Um, but uh, you know, I I had to learn, and my my boys were very much there with me, like how to keep the business up and running through a pandemic when like all of the restaurants and even like small businesses and especially restaurants were closing all around us. Like we, I had to figure out a way to keep the business up and going and to keep, to keep the business running. And so, um, I don't know. And then just also like, like training, but I, I had my gym at the time. So I actually had a place to go and train. I know for a lot of people, it was really tough because what they had known forever, they were like, well, I don't have, I don't have a place to train at my, you know, CrossFit gym closed down my, um, gym member fit. My gym membership is, you know, no longer valid. And they had to figure out for the first time, like how to do it on their own and not to have, they, you know, they didn't have that community.
1: Yeah. For me, I hate saying this. Actually, I don't hate saying it because it's just reality. Um, I was fine, yeah. but I've also lived a life where I had to adapt. Like when I was 15, got my collar broken. Collarbone broken, I had to figure it out. When I sucked at wrestling, I had to figure it out. When my dad died, I had to figure it out. Uh, When I was in the first UFC, um, my first UFC, I blew my shoulder. And I tore my labrum, my rotator cuff, my bicep tendon. They told me I'd never fight again. I needed to figure it out. When I had that life-threatening injury, I had to figure it out. So COVID for me was just another, I've just got to adapt. And Mm -hmm. so it was just a thing that I You know, I did. Now, the good that came out of that, though, was like, Ashley, you were talking about uh, traveling less. I used to think for my business, I had to be in person and do those things. Now I'm finding a much more lucrative career doing stuff online, you know, putting out Instagram more, doing stuff like that. And so That was a positive that came out of it is just a business. The adapting for me made my business more successful than ever. And I don't know if I would have adapted if I wasn't forced to.
0: Yeah, I agree. Cause like, you know, we're, I would love to see you in person and do the podcast, but I, you know, everything's going like zoom and people can like work via zoom. And, um, it definitely, it, I really think that it, it pushed people way out of their comfort zones, but I think like if people were really just kind of take a step back and, realize like how much growth and personal growth that people were able to like achieve over the last two years. I mean, it's been, it's like, it's so valuable. There have been some really, really strong takeaways that all of us can get from some of the things that we have faced over the, over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. what is uh so, so you, do you train people online? I do. Yes. So is it, is it just like you program them every week? Like how many, do you have like a lot of clients or how many, cause you, yep. I saw that you put out something on Instagram. Uh, yep. was it last week that you like wanted to take some people on? I almost like, I, am pretty sure I commented. I was like, Oh, I like, I want to do that. I was dude. I feel like you would crush me.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, actually don't pride myself on crushing people. Here's the deal. <laughs>
0: But what if you want to be crushed?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you want to be, but I charge a premium for my time and I work with 20 people. That's like Mm. my max that I can handle. And I charge $1,000 a month. It's a minimum of a three-month commitment. Nice. And I cover off diet with people, their exercise program, and sports psychology. By sports psychology, I actually mean corporate and life psychology, but things that are designed to make you a better mother, a better business person, to make you more self-aware, to teach you how to say no, all that self-care stuff I teach my kids. And so that's the program. I've had people that have been with me 11 years. I've had people been with me for five years and I have people that are, you know, can only afford three months at a time and then they go away and I never see them again and everything in between. But I really believe that for training to work, it has to be individualized. Yeah. And so even for you, Ashley, you could call me one week and say the priorities on self-care. I want to take it easy in the gym and I want to focus on business stuff. And that's okay. And you could call me six months later and say, it's time to crush it. I have an event that I need to get ready for. Mm-hmm. And so I make everything individual because training cannot be a cookie cutter mm-hmm. program. Not if you want to be at your best in all areas of life.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, how do you pe- like? How do people sign up for that? Uh, they send me a DM,
1: they email me. I talk to them. I don't accept everybody because I want people to be serious. Because yeah. it takes a lot of energy when you it really is. genuinely care about making people better. And mm-hmm. so I'm very upfront with you know my terms and and how it works. I, I'll actually fire people if it's not working out,
2: mm.
1: because I, I'm not wasting my time working mm-hmm. for somebody that doesn't want it. And frankly. I feel bad taking your money, that amount Mm -hmm. of money, Mm -hmm. if you're not dedicated.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Like if you're not ready to be all in, I'm not the person for you. Mm
0: -hmm. Is this a Project Maximus in 2017 that you founded? Uh, You founded Project Maximus?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's similar. It's just doing it online. And I figured out that online is a better way to do it. Um, I don't want to be tied down with a lease. I don't want to be tied down with a huge physical footprint. And I want to be able to work from anywhere because there are things I want to do. I want to go to summer smash at first form. I want to go to an event, you know, with, with Traeger. I want to go to an event with my other sponsors. I would love to go to Virginia beach and train with you for a couple of weeks. The fact that I can do this online now, I can be effective anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so if I can get the, you know, a good amount of people to do that with that, that number one, it puts money in my pocket, but two, it also makes me feel like I'm doing something genuine to help. I, I have a guy who's lost 80 pounds in six months. Wow, that's and amazing. Completely changed his life. And so yeah. being able to do that, it, it means the world to me. I just helped another guy uh, finally attain his special forces, special forces status. Nice. And so his, his goal was to get in Delta and he did it. And, and that makes me feel good. Yeah. So being able to do that stuff really gives back to me as well.
0: Do you have mainly guys that you train? No, I,
1: I have men and women.
0: Men and Although
1: women. I will say this, my demographic on Instagram is 86% male. Oh. And so I do generally have more men inquire than women, but uh-huh. I do have women I train as well.
0: Huh. That's cool. Um, so whenever you were um involved like with MMA, um and you were at like a, such a, like a high influence. Like how did that, how did that change your approach to fitness? Like whenever you were into MMA, cause you're still, do you still grapple? You grapple yeah, like.
1: I, yeah. I still do jujitsu. I compete at worlds every year.
0: Oh, you do. That's okay. so cool.
1: So I still compete because I love it. And also one of the reasons I started doing it again, I want my kids to see me compete.
0: Mm. Do I your don't... kids, do your kids compete?
1: They do. Yes. Okay. They're in jujitsu and taekwondo.
0: Nice. That's really cool. I've always, it's been on my long, like bucket list. I've, cause I've rolled, I'm, I'm still just like a very novice and a lot of it has to do with just the consistency in my schedule of being able to consistently train. But like, I've always, always wanted to compete like in a, in a BJJ tournament. Um, are you uh, are you a black belt?
1: No, I'm a brown belt right now. Wow. Um,
0: you're so close.
1: Yeah. I'm in a weird place. So, because here's the deal. I've done some form of grappling for 27 years. Mm. So in fight ability, I'm beyond a brown belt, but in actual art of jujitsu, which is different than a fight, I'm still a brown belt. And I, for that reason, I started training with two really traditional guys that won't just award me a belt because of my success in fighting. Like, it's funny. I won worlds last year at brown belt and they still won't give me my black belt.
0: That's crazy. They're still
1: making me work for it because there are a whole bunch of things in that martial art that are beyond just eating. To give you you another example, I was second in the world for amateur kickboxing. I can go into almost any karate school across the United States and beat the instructor. That doesn't mean I should get a black belt. Not when I know the history of the sport and the forms and the language and the stuff. So they put me through the ringer, but I really like that because it means I really have to earn it and be a true black belt in the martial art, not just a black belt in fighting and relying on that.
0: So it sounds like you do a lot of different things. You do your training, like you train all different styles. You do, you know, even the heavy lifting, the, um, you do the, the rolling, the grappling. Is there a particular like type of training that you prefer over the other? Like, why do you do, why do you do, why do you do like such a high variety of different?
1: You know, because I want to be good, I want to be good across the board. I think being well rounded is important and I want to be fit for anything the world throws my way. Yeah. So could I specialize in powerlifting? Sure. Could I specialize in endurance stuff? Sure. But if you call me and you say, Hey, do you want to do a 15 mile thing? I want to have the ability to do that. If you call me and say, do you want to go into powerlifting? Yeah. I want to have the ability to do that. So to me, it's that's about- funny. That's, that's
0: exactly how I am. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, oh. I see that from your training because you do a lot of the same type of stuff. I don't ever want to be, I don't need to be the best in the room, but I need oh. to be able
2: to hang with me.
0: Um, Do you think that any of it comes from just like, do you, do you find that you get bored at doing one type of like, if you had to do like one thing, like you couldn't pick just one thing, is that, do you think that's one of the reasons why you do like a variety of things? Or is it just because like you want to be fully equipped to do whatever life throws at you?
1: No, I think, I think it's being fully equipped. But in terms of boredom, I kind of look at all my stuff as the same. When I'm mm. training, I'm just happy. Like mm. you put me in any gym anywhere with a set of headphones and that's my me time. That's my meditation time. That's where I unwind. And so I'm happy doing anything as long as I get that opportunity to work on myself. Like even last night, I did a bunch of dips, push-ups, and pull-ups in my garage and just listened to music and thought about my week, thought about my kids, did some reflecting on my relationship, did some reflecting on where I've been over the past few years. Like, it's just really fun.
2: Yeah, so I'll be honest. That's a little bit surprising because some of my favorite social content of yours is the sauna sessions uh, Q and As, and I think we need to see more of those. If I were a betting man, Bobby, I would say you would love to spend as much time possible, and that you should, if you don't already, have a massive sauna sponsorship. So for anyone listening with a sauna company, let's get this man a sauna sponsorship ASAP. <laughs> I should be there. I was in there for two hours uh, the other oh. day. And I
1: absolutely
2: love it. Like, I could live in there. I Like, you talk about Traeger and slow cooking. You're slow cooking yourself in there for two hours, brother. Yeah, I
1: love it.
0: Yeah, and and if you came up from, like, high north in Canada, I mean, you're basically up in the North Pole and, like, to, like, love the heat so much. It's rough. I could
1: spend my entire day. Funny enough, I actually just uh, ordered a cold plunge tub, like a proper one. Not like the... Not like the ones that you gotta put ice in yourself, um Ashley, because you called me bougie, I ordered one of the ones that's like self cleaning with the unit, like the professional grade like professional teams use, and so in my backyard, I'm gonna have a little setup with a with a hot tub, a dedicated cold tub plunge, and a barrel sauna, so it's like I can just do this stuff all day every day
0: dude that's that's awesome i am um, so i have I try to do the ice like the ice thing, but I just got like a horse trough. <laughs> I just, it, it didn't, it didn't work for that long. I mean, it gets, uh, it, like it gets cold in Utah also, but, uh, yeah, I, I would just wait until like the ice froze over in the winter time. Cause I had it outside and then I would crack the ice and get in it. But, uh, I don't know. No, no, that's, look, that's awesome.
1: You know, it's funny you say that though. One of the reasons I saved up to buy the actual cold plunge tub is because I'm very aware where I'm going to fail kind of like an alcoholic, you can't have booze in the house because mm-hmm. you will crack. For me, there are certain foods I can't have in the house because I know I will crack. I know if I buy like the horse drop and go to fill it with ice, it will become inconvenient for me and I yep. won't do it as much. If I mm-hmm. have the fancy one and all I got to do is flip the cover off, I never have to clean it, it takes care of itself, I'll use it every day. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm doing that to ensure success Versus setting myself up for failure with something I won't use.
0: I love that. That is so true. Um, whenever you have your clients and they approach you, and like, what are what are some methods that you? Uh, and I know that everybody's journey and it, the things that people face are different, but like, what are um, what are some recipes that you give them to like overcome the uh, like the plateaus that they're facing and overcome? like the, the struggles and the hurdles that they're trying to get over?
1: Yeah, so there's a, there's a few and they both go under the heading of what I call like active visualization. So one of them is called green light therapy or green dot therapy. So we're all plagued with red light thoughts and we all are blessed with green light thoughts. Green light thoughts, Ashley are, let's go let's go over it with you. I'm one of the fittest women in the world. I'm, I'm extremely confident, I'm successful, I'm a great mom, I was able to endure this challenge and this challenge and this challenge. It's all the positive thoughts that you have that help you believe in yourself. At the same time, you probably have red light thoughts. I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not big enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not like whatever the negative narrative is inside your head. We all have this internal struggle between green and red. Mm-hmm. one of the tricks is to program yourself with predominantly green thought. So I have these little green stickers. They stick everywhere, put them on my computer, put them on the back of my phone, put them on my steering wheel. And whenever I see a green dot, I have to think a positive self thought because it's hard to get you to sit down for an hour at a time for your positivity hour. And then once right. you're done that hour, it just goes away. But the global effect, every time you see a group of thought think something positive, you're programming yourself hundreds of times a day to think positively and build yourself into a positive narrative. Uh-huh. So that's one way. The second way is every night before you go to bed, take five minutes and plot out what you're going to do the next day. Uh-huh. What you're going to accomplish, how you're going to feel about it, uh, things that you need to do, give yourself concrete, actionable items to go through. That can be extremely powerful too, because a lot of times what we do is we wake up and wing it, and then the day runs us. I want to teach people to run the day.
0: Right. So it's almost like visualization. Whenever you're going to bed is like, think about what you want to accomplish, why you want to accomplish it, and then visualize yourself achieving that.
1: But it's got to be active. Sometimes I'll even have people write down a list. So Ashley, I want to know three things you're going to do tomorrow to get closer to your goal. And by writing it out, it forces you to be active. There's also something that happens psychologically. When you write it out, it becomes real. Mm -hmm. So imagine, and this is very common amongst women, you probably dealt with it with a lot of your clients, women- can be terrible on themselves with self-talk. I'm fat, I'm ugly. Like you, people say this to themselves. It's one thing to think that in your head, it's really difficult to sit down and write down, I am ugly mm-hmm. because it becomes real. Right. And so you can use that in reverse when you write, I am powerful, I am secure, I am confident, I am going to do this it can act as a positive catalyst for change.
0: I love that. Um, what is, a, like, what's next for you? Uh, I see you working out all the time and you're training people. So, like, what, what's next for Bobby Maximus? You
1: know, uh, to be really honest with you, and I would have a hard time saying this a few years ago, I want to be famous as fuck.
0: Oh, I wasn't expecting for you to say that. Well,
1: and I'll tell you why. Not because I need the adulation of people, not because I need the recognition, because I really believe I have the power to help people and I want yeah. to help as many people as possible. And to help people, you need to be famous and you need to have money. Like yeah. a lot of people don't realize, but it actually kind of like upsets me. People rip on Kim Kardashian a lot. Behind the scenes, she does so much charity work and gives so much to so many people. The rock's the same way. Like the rock is a really giving human being. Like you see people that constantly do this charity stuff. Imagine if you were Jeff Bezos, how many lives you could change.
0: Yeah.
1: You had that much money. And so Um, I used to shy away from that, and I used to think that you were less than if you were trying to get famous or rich or you were a seller or whatever. No, no, no. I want to be as big as humanly possible so I can positively affect as many people as possible.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, So do you have one book out, or how many books do you have? I have one book. It's called Maximus Body. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's the one I have. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah.
1: I, 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 you know, I'm sure I'll do another one at some point, but it's just not where my energy is focused mm-hmm. right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, what is your Instagram? Will you share that? Bobby. Bobby Maximus. That's easy. And then do you have like a website or anything? Like how can people follow you besides Instagram or is Instagram, like the main
1: yeah, no, I mean, you know what? It's funny? Instagram's become the hub for everything. I know like if you go to my Instagram, I've got a link tree in the bio. Right. You can you can get to my website, you can you can find my email because I'm an open book. And so if you just put Bobby Maximus into anything, uh-huh. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you'll find me. We'll find you bobbymaximus.com. You can find me. Um if you go in your mirror at midnight and say the lights off, but I wouldn't do that. So creepy. I know that ends up really bad for people. So I wouldn't do that, but you know, the rest of them work.
0: <laughs> well, that's awesome. So my last question is, do you have any like openings for training? Cause I, I know do. that you put it out there. You do. Okay. Huh? Interesting. Andrew just raised his hand. I think, uh, I would, yeah, I would, I've actually, I've never had a trainer before that. Like I actually a lot, like a long time ago. Um, but I don't know. I always feel like it's, it's interesting. Like when you, I think I do really good at programming myself because I know my priorities, but, um, I always feel like I'm, I'm not truly reaching my true potential. And, uh, I don't know. I've always, I've always like kind of contemplated or like thought about what would it be if I had a coach?
1: The way I'd word it to you is this, who's the goat of Olympic athletes?
0: I don't know. Who? Michael Phelps He's oh, won, okay. like, oh yes okay gold medals right Well for guess, swimming guess
1: who has a coach Michael Phelps yeah. LeBron James the best basketball player on the planet guess who has a coach LeBron James yeah some of the it's- best business people you know have a business coach right because we can't get uh, there's this Nietzsche saying that nobody gets in God's opera box which basically means there's no such thing as true objectivity. You can't be objective with yourself. Neither can you, Andrew. It's impossible because you're filled with bias and self-talk and all these things. And so it always helps to have somebody else to look over your stuff. And the other thing is accountability. As much as you want to tell me how accountable you are, you need somebody else
2: to hold you accountable because otherwise you will slip. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing I will say is that Uh, You know, again, speaking as the most unfit individual on this interview right now, I I always joke with Ashley because, you know, she obviously lives in this world of fitness. She lives in this world of, of active lifestyle. And as somebody that manages professional athletes for a living and works with brands of all sizes, my only speed, the one thing Ashley and I have in common is our only speed is gas. Like we go, right? Which is a great problem to have. The difference is discipline. The difference is that accountability and that awareness and being able to say, no matter what, I'm hitting the sandbox today. No matter what, I'm getting my run in with my dogs today. For me, I am accountable enough where I think I've overcome step one of probably the 12 step process here to say, I am very self-aware that I could be doing more. And you know, as much as I love eating healthier and trying to make the small adjustments, it's the it's a hundred percent commitment. And Bobby, you can probably speak to that, that you can't half-ass commitment, right? You know, and I, and I know Ashley always tells me that I always joke with her. I say, Hey, I'm going to do the next transform you challenge. She's like, yeah, okay. Jack asked sure, her, no problem. But the reality of it is, is that you can't commit 10%, 20%, 99% for fitness and for lifestyle decisions of any kind. I think both of you know, this more so than anybody that You have to go all in in order to make true, life-changing differences. Yeah, and especially if you want to be great. And the greater you want to be, the more you have to be all in.
1: So, like, I I always talk about Jeff Bezos between the, you know, it's funny, Amazon started in 1994. A lot of people don't realize that. How many weekends do you think Jeff Bezos took off between 94 and 2010? The answer is, like, zero, that's what it takes to be worth like $9 trillion, right? LeBron James, he is hyper-focused on his crap. That's how you get to be good. And we all have this idea that we can be good doing a little bit. But if you truly want to be great, you truly want to make a change, you can't do it without full-on effort,
2: I love
0: that. Absolutely love that. So powerful that you have to be, you have to be fully committed or you can't, you can't just be interested in something. You have to fully, fully commit yourself. Um, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the Reborn podcast today. It was certainly a pleasure to have you on. Um, I'm, I don't know. I would, I'm definitely going to think about if I'm ready for a coach uh, to coach me because I think. I think you're amazing what you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I see, and, and I, I hear the things that you're doing for people and, um, in their lives. And it's definitely an investment, like people, you have to invest in yourself. Um, it makes a huge difference. And so, uh, anyways, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story with us in the reborn podcast. And, um, is there any, is there anything final thing that you want to say to the listeners or anybody that's listening?
1: Yeah. I'd actually just like to say thank you to you guys. Um, I genuinely mean this, Ashley. I've always looked up to you. Uh, you're an incredible figure in the community. You Thanks. work hard. You practice what you preach. Uh, I think everything that that you put out about yourself is genuine um, because you are a genuine human being. I was watching you at, at Summer Smash, how you treated other people and talked to other people. And that says a lot about your character as a person. So I'm just Thanks, grateful Zoe. to be on here. And I'm always grateful when people, coming to, from a town of 1,800 people, That, that, you know, there was a time in my life that nobody knew who I was, Mm -hmm. the fact that people want to spend their time with me or think enough of me Mm
2: -hmm.
0: to
1: interview me, um, it, it, it humbles me and honors me and it means the world to me. So thank you both.
0: So I want to just end it with this. Um, the, the, the individuals that used to bully you, um, are they, uh, have they, do you even know who, like, do you know who they are? Have they like ever contacted you again? Are they like, Hey, like, are they your friends now or? You know, as it- you know, it's 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 funny you say that.
1: Um, some people I don't talk to; like uh-huh. they just don't reach out, they don't contact. Some people have called and apologized, or emailed wow. apologized and being like, "Hey, like I treated you pretty shitty. Like, hey, sorry for that." Um, some people I've run into, you know, that was just high school, right? Like I didn't like they think I'm going to fight them. So you get a whole range of, of of people. But the people that I don't respect are the ones that hit me up and say, I always knew that you were going to be something special. I'm so proud of you. I loved seeing you in men's health. And I'm like, you motherfucker, you used to punch me in the face. Like, don't think I don't. Those are the people who have a tough time, but I have come to a point in my life that So I spent a lot, a lot of time. I used to, my favorite saying people used to ask me if I had a chip on my shoulder and I said, I'm well balanced. I have a chip on both shoulders because that's how aggressive and angry I was. But what I've come to realize is a lot of these people that have done wrong in the past, it had nothing to do with me. It had to do with them some kind of unhappiness. And I just happened to be there. It was honestly nothing personal and it's no different then when some person sees you happy and decides to come on your Instagram in the comments and say something rude, mean, unkind, like it's nothing personal to you. It's some reflection on them. So I've learned to kind of let that, let all that go.
0: I love that. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us today. And thanks for finishing it like that. I think that's that is so true. So um, thank you so much for being a guest on the Reborn podcast. And I'll i will um, I'll definitely hit you up and I will see you on the gram and hopefully I'll see you in, per- in person sometime again soon.
1: Thank you. And on that right. note, remember, if you don't know the person personally, don't take it
0: personal. That is true. I like that. All right, guys, that is it for the Reborn podcast. Make sure you subscribe, give us some comments, give us some feedback. We really appreciate your support and the love, and we are out.